time travel and circle arguments. This is going to be a very random and hopefully sometimes entertaining podcast. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. This is Julie from Hefzabah Talks A Lot, and I'm going to tell you this is not scripted. Big surprise. And this is not going to be long. Hopefully. I always have to put that disclaimer in there. But it is about time travel, and the rest of this podcast will probably not have anything to do with this topic. This is just going to be a segment of randomness, and I'll tell you why. I am watching The Runaways, and I'm watching Season 3, Episode 10 currently. Spoiler alert, okay? So if you're watching The Runaways and have not got to Season 3, probably want to stop listening right now. So essentially, Chase comes back from the future quite a significant amount of time in the future, complete with a five o'clock shadow and supposedly looking older, but we all know these actors are not literally the ages of teenagers, so we can survive all of that. He comes back to a time after Gert has died. Now, in episode nine, Gert dies. Once again, I said spoiler, if he didn't stop, your fault. Now, Gert has died and life has gone on to the point that the runaways are no longer living their vigilante lives trying to stop crime. Everything seems to have gone to normal with the exception of Gert's absence. Now the thing is that the reason he comes back is because Alex has turned evil at this point. That's the storyline. Of course, Alex is telling everybody that it's actually Chase who is evil. So I really don't know because they haven't told me yet. And I'm going to be truthful. I am a Marvel fan, but I have not read the Runaways comics to the extent that I would know. Um, I do own one collection that has like the first five comics or something that I bought from Hastings many, many years ago, but I digress. So Chase has come back from the future to stop this Alex, whose first mission is to kill Nico and he fails because Nico has become powerful and Alex wasn't expecting that. Apparently, Nico took a two-year hiatus to learn how to control the staff's power now that the staff's power is within her body. It's really interesting to me because I never thought of Nico as the most powerful runaway when I read the comics, but in this series, she really is. Um, I also have to tell you, I'm not going to full-blown recommend the series because there's a couple of things that happen that are very questionable morally, but moving on. So we're going to look at this time travel thing because that's the point. Now, Chase comes back and he basically, they all come back together to fight off this bad Alex. And then this bad Alex times jumps, time jumps even further back in time to the night when this group of, of teens join together, witness their parents doing the sacrifice in the basement and ultimately become the runaways. Now, his plan is to kill them before that can happen. Now, we all know, because if we're logical at all, that that is not possible. You cannot stop the thing that made you who you are and gave you the reason to build the time machine. This is why whenever I watch the Terminator movies and they always say they want to stop the machines from taking over the world, I'm like, you can't. Because the whole reason that time travel machine exists is because the machines take over the world. So no matter what you do, the machines are going to take over the world. You can maybe change 
the outcome of some of the things that happen in regards to that, but you cannot, by any stretch of the imagination, prevent your reason for building the time machine. Or can you? Because after they catch up with bad Alex, quotations, and they actually have him in the gym and they're talking to him, Chase sends Alex back to the midpoint nexus where they, where he had first jumped, time jumped back to. He talked about a limitation on the time jumps. They can only jump four times. So essentially, you know, they're using up their jumps. Um, but he time, he sends Alex back and he's going to send the rest of the group back. Now here's where I paused it because at this point, so I don't know anything after this, Alex says, um, that Alex has said that Chase is a bad guy. Um, before Nico knocks bad Alex and everybody else in the bus with the exception of the midpoint runaways, um, knocks them all out. So we don't know who's really bad, but at this point, Chase tells the others that he has sent midpoint Alex back to where he left and he is going to do the same with these other runaways. And the reason I paused it is because he said, I'm going to save Gert because that was always my intention, and that is why I built the time machine. Now, the reason that that caught my attention is the wording. I wonder if that makes a difference. Now, people, here's the thing. Like, I can talk time travel without, like, all the quantum physics madness of it because I am not a scientist and my brain can't wrap around it. But like the actual, like I was saying, you cannot go back in time to prevent the reason why you chose to time travel at all. If you read the book, The Time Machine, that's pretty much explained. And I really enjoy the movie about it, about The Time Machine. In The Time Machine, he essentially explains why the man's fiance constantly dies. And what happens is the guy keeps going back in The Time Machine to save his fiance from death, but she keeps dying different ways. The one thing he cannot do is prevent her from dying because that's his goal. I, he built the time machine to prevent her death. As a writer, words are very important. And this is why if I get in an argument with someone and they use a word that nullifies what came before it, for instance, I'm very sorry I hurt your feelings, but blah, 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 which essentially means anything before the but is null. So anything before the but isn't true. The but after the but is what's true. So there you go. There's a freebie for you. Anytime someone tells you they are sorry, but they're not sorry. The but essentially tells you <laughs> that these buts of people <laughs> are not sorry. They are just trying to throw that sorry out there to be able to tell you why you're wrong and they shouldn't have to apologize. I'm sorry, but you're really annoying. Ah, you're not sorry. You just think I'm annoying and that's why you treat me like that? Okay, bully for you. All right, words are very important. That's why a lot of the music today, I'm like, this is stupid. Like, it's vapid. Why does it not have content? Why, why are the words so vapid and stupid, you know? Anyway, moving on. So because words matter, when Chase said that he was going back in time to save Gert, I have to wonder if that is fully possible. And I actually believe it is. So in the time machine, the main character is going back in time to prevent his fiance from dying. And eventually he does it many times. And eventually he just gets so 
full of despair that he cannot save his fiance because she literally dies every time that he shoots to the future. And at one point, he shows up where this program in the movie, right, guys, I have not fully read the book yet. I own it, just haven't gotten to the place to read it yet. <clears throat> but in the movie, he shows up at this library that has this holographic librarian that essentially is telling him, the reason you cannot prevent your fiance from dying is because that is why you built the machine, because she died. So since she died, your desire to go back in time to prevent her from dying cannot happen because that would mean you never would have built the machine in the first place in order to go back in time to, sa to prevent her from dying. But if he had gone back in time to save her, that would be different. Like, think about that. And I, I'm, you guys are probably just like, you're, you've lost your mind. But it's true. Consider that. If Chase had said, I'm going back in time to prevent Gert from dying, that is not possible because that is his purpose. She has to die for him to want to go back in time to prevent her from dying. But if he goes back in time to save her, he has to build the time machine to go back in time to save her. And I know it sounds, I know it sounds so crazy, but it makes total sense. It's all, I fully believe it's possible. I fully believe it's possible for him to save Gert. And that's the thing, because I was watching this when this time machine jump happened, and I thought to myself, why doesn't he just, like, prevent Gert from dying? And I'm like, but that's the whole paradox about time travel. If your purpose is to go back and stop an event from happening, you can't. But you can change the event. And, I, and I'm sorry, my mind is blown on this. And I know, guys, like, you're probably just like, why is she she's so weird? But every time, I tell you, every time I'm watching these Terminator movies, and I really enjoy the Terminator movies, I'm just going to tell you. I watch him and I'm like, you can't in my brain. You can't. You can't stop Judgment Day from happening. You can't. You know. But I like the thought that Gert could actually still continue to live. Like I said, I have not read the comics. And if it's in the comics, all you wonderful karmic comic buffs, that's awesome. Um, but I was I love that Chase gave the answer in the words. I think that's the big thing for me because now I'm sitting here like it's all about the reason. And I, and that's true about Christianity too. I mean, I've just been reading some of my textbooks and it was talking about like saving for retirement, saving for like investing in your future, blah, 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 blah. And he was basically explaining like if you're going to like stockpile stuff because you're a doomsdayist and you're a survivalist, your your attitude, your mentality is not to have faith or trust God is going to take care of you, but like, oh, God's going to fail me, so I have to make sure I can rely on myself. So this is what I'm going to stock up to, to handle. Whereas if you have like a week's worth of supply of food because you're like, you know what, just in case, I mean, I trust that God will help me, but this could be valuable in many different ways. It could be valuable should there be a time when we can't get food or if what if my neighbor is destitute and I can just put together a box of this, this week's worth of food and take food next door. Like if your heart is in the right place, your mind is in the right place, then the reason you're doing something changes. And I believe that the blessing that God puts on it changes as well. Now, I'm not talking about time travel. I firmly, firmly believe God would never allow time travel ever. And there is like significant reasons for it. Um, God doesn't want us messing with time, guys. If he wanted us to mess with time... He wouldn't make it possible for us to do it. He's got it. He's never going to let us have time travel. I mean, except maybe 
you know, in the new heaven, new earth, we might have some different concept of time, obviously, or ways to travel through time, but uh, that's not for me to speculate because I don't know anything about uh, God's mind. He's way above me, obviously. But I digress, and I want to keep this short. So if I can keep it under 15 minutes, I'm almost there. But my point is the power of words. Look at this. If Chase had said, I'm going to prevent Gert from dying, it was already a lost cause. But because he said, I am going to save Gert, that was always my intention. That's actually fully possible because if one builds a time machine to save another person, they can save that person because that's possible. But if you go back to prevent something, then you can't because that thing has to happen that you're trying to prevent in order for you to build the time time machine and travel at all. And that is just my thoughts on time travel very lightly. I, I tell you guys, I... I like to discuss time travel. Um, Vivica and I, before she headed back to the States for the Chinese New Year, uh, we talked lightly about time travel and we had a, a really fun discussion. And Vivica might be doing a podcast with me sometime in the future, but time travel is just something I like to discuss. I like to be the naysayer. So the fact that right now there's actually the minutest possibility in the realm of science fiction that time travel could actually change an event if you use your intention correctly, if your words and your desire are shaped a certain way. But see, you can't, like, he can't have been sitting here going, I'm going to build a time machine to prevent Gert from dying. His whole mindset as he built that time machine had to be, I'm going to build this time machine to save Gert. Because it's not like you can change your mind midway through. His intention and his, his focus had to be clear at the very start of building the time machine. Uh, there's like so much here. Like I'm going to, I'm going to have to like blog about this, but I just, I wanted to do a podcast because I was originally kind of writing myself an email and I thought to myself like, oh, this is going to take forever. So I'm like, I just want to get thoughts down. And since I'll probably do it as a podcast segment anyway, I might as well just do it. So I'm sorry. It's not, um, scripted, but I did keep it under 15 minutes and I'm quite proud of myself about that. Because usually I say something's going to be short and it's like an hour later. I'm like, Sue, this podcast has now arrived at an hour. Um, but this segment is short. I'm not saying the podcast is going to be short. But the, the time travel segment is short. And I didn't have to go back in time to do it. <laughs> well, there you go. Hello, everybody. It's Julie. And this is just a really short one. It's going to be really short. <clears throat> Trust me. Very short. Um, but it's going to be joined with other segments, so not so short, the podcast itself. But this segment itself is going to be short, because what I hate are circle arguments. I have a very big issue with circle arguments. I, and what I mean by that is where you've literally said something, but they refuse to receive it. So either you have to repeat yourself over and over and over again, or... You have to repeat yourself over, no, or you have to walk away. Um, so point in case, I try to stay off of <clears throat> social media <laughs> discussions because people never listen to me. They just don't. It's, it's one of those things. And I, and I've, 
I've really tried to, <clears throat> people just don't listen. Okay. If you're listening to my podcast, thank you. You're listening to me. But this question was posted on the 22nd of February, 2020. And it said, is talking in tongues relevant today? Or was it just for the early apostles to go out in the different nations and spread the gospel? Now, the day of Pentecost was all about languages that people could understand, earthly languages. Okay. The gift of tongues, and this is just all a preface preface to what I'm talking about. The gift of tongues has different forms. It has the form, which I didn't learn about, literally, folks. I did not learn about till this year in seminary, where you could actually be empowered by Holy Spirit to speak fluently a language you have never spoken before. So right now I'm in China. And if God wanted me to, Holy Spirit could fill me to the point that I could speak Mandarin to a person and lead them to Christ. God can do that at any given moment, anytime he wants. That is one of the forms of tongues that many Christians do not know about, do not believe in, and is not actually active a lot today. Now, I don't know why it's not active. Is it because we just don't ask God for it? Uh, is there because there's no need? We have translators. We have forms of translation. We have modern technology. We can learn languages. But I do believe that in certain situations, it probably happens and evangelists probably talk about it and missionaries in like small circles. Like, oh, there was this time I spoke and it, I spoke fluent Swahili and I never speak Swahili. I mean, you just don't know. Okay. Um, with social media being what it is, I'm sure if you did a research thing on it, you'd probably find some, some moments where that's happened. All right. But beside that fact, so there's that, then there's the gift of tongues where it's a heavenly language and this can manifest itself. I'm only going to talk about two ways. I'm not going to act like I'm an expert and know everything. One way is praise, worship, prayer. When your soul is crying out, now this heavenly language prevents anyone else from understanding what you're asking God, even you. This is your soul crying out to God in a language that only your soul and he can understand so that you're not aware of what you're praying for, the person next to you is not aware, so it's not a pride thing, and the devil has no clue, okay? And with worship, it's a deeper level of worship, okay? The other thing is interpretation. And this is when, like, let's say everybody's praying and all of a sudden there's a, a calling out of tongues. And then someone, you just have to be patient and you have to rest in, in a, a moment of surrender and, and worship and openness. And then the Holy Spirit will lead someone to interpret what the tongues were that were spoken, okay? Now, they're asking if it's relevant for today or if it was just that for the gospel to spread. I answered that it was relevant for today. And here's what I said. Yes, the gift of tongues is still relevant today. Yes, all believers should speak in tongues. Are you any less saved if you don't speak in tongues? No. Do you have, do you not have, in other words, do you not have him? <laughs> do you not have Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues? No. Okay, so see, that might be where the confusion is because I worded that weird. So I'm basically saying, if you don't speak in tongues, does this mean you don't have Holy Spirit? No. Okay. Do you have, does it mean you're any less saved if you don't speak in tongues? No. That's pointedly what I said. Anyway, no. However, you cannot speak in tongues without being a true believer and having Holy Spirit within you. You can't speak tongues. You can speak gibberish, but you cannot speak tongues. You can learn another language, but it is not tongues. Okay. That's my point. You have to have Holy Spirit to speak tongues. It's not going to happen otherwise. Holy Spirit is the one that does it through you. Okay. Um, 
So, an absence of speaking in tongues is not a showing of lack of salvation or lack of Holy Spirit, while speaking in tongues is evidence of, whole, of salvation and the presence of Holy Spirit. So how does one receive, receive the gift of tongues? You ask for it. And then I put an article about godquestions.org, um, gift of tongues, okay? So basically what I'm saying there is um, tongues is for everyone that is saved if you ask for it and if you seek it out. God will give it to you. Gifts of interpretation and other such things, you have to seek that out willingly too, but that's not for everyone, okay? Um, that includes meaning I have not ever felt led to overpower other worshipers with my tongues when I'm in a moment of worshiping or praying in tongues so that I could be heard above the assembly so that someone else could be um, inspired by Holy Spirit to interpret my tongues, okay? I have never been involved in that way in interpretation. I have witnessed interpretations, but I have never been a part of it in that way where I'm either the one speaking or the one interpreting, okay? So, but you cannot be a part of any of that if you're not a Christian. You just can't. If you don't have Holy Spirit, it's not going to happen. All right. So then this person said, I disagree. And I was like, whatever. I don't, I'm not even going to comment on that. You can disagree all you want. I, that's fine, you know. But then this person wrote this big old thing and I blogged about this because I just, I'm just like, why are Christians so angry? Just can't you, like, why? And this is what I blogged about. Is it because you know you're wrong? Like deep inside your soul, and especially in the case of Christians, Holy Spirit's like, no, you, stop getting offended. She's right. Okay. I'm not saying I'm hundred percent right, guys. I'm not saying, but what I said there was true. Okay. <laughs> it just is. And you're going to be like, ah, to you, but no, it's true. Trust me. <laughs> so... The thing is, with offense, there's always a reason you're offended, right? So I've been watching videos, and I've been watching these these conservatives address these liberals, and these liberals get so pissed off that they 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 can't find the words to say, but they try to use really big words. That's the thing. If you watch these videos, they're using these huge words, and you're like, dude, just what, what are you doing? I use big words, so I, I know. Like, there's times when I could use a simpler word, and I choose a bigger word, okay? It's just, it's the way I, I roll. Um, however, at the same, see, I use however instead of but, because but negates, so that's not me just showing off, but negates what you said before, so I'm real. I really try not to say but, that's why I use however. However, <laughs> um, they, they cannot control their anger because they're so frustrated because they're wrong, and you can take that or leave it. If you're pissed off about it, it's all good. I think murder is wrong. I think abortion is murder. Ergo, abortion is wrong, okay? I am against the death penalty. And I know many Christians and many uh, pro-lifers that are for the death penalty. Let me tell you why I'm against the death penalty. That 1% chance that the person's innocent. That 1% chance. That in and of itself to me is enough, okay? The other reason I'm against it is... <clears throat> Because if I'm going to say that every life matters, that has to mean every life. And then the third reason I'm against it is because in the New Testament, it says, I once said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life, but that's no longer true. I'd have to find that scripture and I, I might look it up. But anyway, because of that scripture, okay? Uh, God, Jesus said, no longer do an eye for an eye. So anyway, so this guy, 
I, I digress. This guy wrote this response that just really irked me because first of all, it was horrible grammar. He used like the letters U and R for your. I hate that. Write appropriate grammar. I just, it drives me crazy. But anyway, so the minute you're using, like the I disagree was a lowercase I disagree with no punctuation. See, it's not, it's, I'm a writer. Don't, don't do that. But I, I can overlook it. I can overlook it. So he's saying, so what you're saying, and no, this is not what I'm saying. This is his interpretation through his filter of, I don't believe tongues are for today. This is what he heard me say, or I should say read. The words are written and people still misunderstand me. It drives me crazy. Anyway, so what you're saying, if believe in Lord Jesus as our savior, get saved and baptized and baptism, sorry, bad grammar, deny yourself, take up the cross, be his disciple. And we don't speak in tongues. You're not Jesus disciple. Okay, did I say that? Did I even use the word disciple in there? I don't even think I used Jesus in there. I'm just saying. Anyway, then that's a load of crap. Oh, no, a load off crap. I ever heard of. Oh, no, off again. That's a load off crap I ever heard off. I'm sorry, I shouldn't. Grammar just, oh, oh, it's, so, it's not, so not that hard. This mean everybody who doesn't speak in tongues, they going to hell. And by the way, he put the letter, the number two. Hmm. Then why are they going to, the number two again, church and doing Jesus is asking. Would it better living the world and enjoy life while still have time than going to church? I read the Bible and follow Jesus teaching and there's not theirs, like as in, that's theirs. I'm sorry, please grammar people, please. I know I shouldn't be talking about that, but when you're, you're accusing me of saying things and then you're not even being grammatically correct, ah, this is where you guys can see the pettiness of my soul. And there's nothing in the Bible you have to speak in tongues. What? That what disciples did back in their time. Today, speaking in tongues, we, when we go to different countries who don't speak English, there are over 2,000 different languages across the world. Okay. All those number twos are just annoying. So I said, I didn't say anything of the kind. Read through what I wrote more carefully. Okay. That was my response because I'm like, dude, seriously, I didn't say any of that. All of your BS up there did not say. Not even close. Then he says, you did, just did. You said, who doesn't speak in tongues? They don't have Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. If they don't have the Holy Ghost, that help us to be wise. Speaking in tongues back in those days was different languages like we have today. Why aren't you speaking in Latin, Greek, and Hebrew? So what you're saying, God has another language in heaven. What is that language? And I said, first of all, read the article I shared. You have a very small understanding of what tongues actually is. Second, I did not say that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have Holy Spirit. I said exactly the opposite. Did I not say exactly the opposite? Yes, I did. And I will show that in a minute because I took a screenshot and underlined how I said exactly the opposite. Anyway, I said you can't speak in tongues if you don't have Holy Spirit. I never said if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have Holy Spirit. As I said originally... Read my original response more carefully. And tongues is a heavenly language, not a cultural or easily produced by other people language. Just because there were people that understood it, that was because God wanted them to understand it, basically. What is known as interpretation of tongues. I was incorrect there, by the way, guys. I can admit that. Because like I said, I, I knew about God using tongues in the form of language, but I didn't, like, remember that when I wrote my response here. I can admit when I'm wrong. See? Other people can't. What is also scriptural. All right. I suggest you do a deeper study on tongues before you get upset and accuse people of saying things they did not say. 
And then I put, notice the use of words here. This basically says that lack of speaking in tongues is not evidence of not having Holy Spirit. I then clarified that to be able to speak in tongues, you must have Holy Spirit. So to put it in easier terms, you can have Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues, but you can't speak in tongues and not have Holy Spirit. I just said it as clear. And then I put a screenshot where I underlined the word not and the word no. Do you not have Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues? No. All right, moving on. So then he goes, so what is the language they speak in heaven? And I said, uh, and then he goes, sorry, I am not upset. Just making a point, making point. I know when Adam and Eve walked the earth, Latin was the very first language. How does he know that? I know. No, you don't know anything. We don't know what language Adam and Eve spoke. Get a grip. <laughs> we don't know anything. There is no documentation. The New Test, the Old Testament was written in Moses' time. Do you know how far down the line from Adam and Eve that was? And just because it's in Latin doesn't mean that was the language of Adam and Eve. The Tower of Babel came way before the written Bible actually existed. But it went on. I don't know if it's way before. That's a lie. I'd have to look. But it was, I don't know, I'd have to do research on that. But still, it doesn't mean they spoke Latin just because it was written in Latin. And I don't even know. Anyway, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't study that stuff. Moving on. After Noah and Get Flood, Hebrew and Greek. So what language do they use in heaven? All right. We have no concept of the language Adam and Eve used. And we can only speculate. The Bible doesn't straight up tell us, oh, by the way, use, they use this language. And they spoke this and they spoke that. The Bible doesn't tell us that. The time that Bible even refers to language is at Babel. When God is like, what do you think you're doing? And Nimrod built the stinking tower to try to touch heaven because he was an idiot. And then God said, oh, you guys think you can become gods? Bam. Different languages. That is when they talk about languages. Babel. That's the time before that. I'm not getting into all these debates with this guy, by the way. That's, I'm just skipping over his stuff. So uh, I put the gift of tongues definition, the power of speaking in unknown languages regarded as one of the gifts of Holy Spirit. And then I put a quote from a different article from epm.org. If there is a heavenly language, the Bible does not say, but I believe that it will not matter what language we speak in heaven. The recipient of that language will hear and understand in their language. Remember that nothing is impossible with God. In other words, I am not even going to presume that I know what language is spoken in heaven. I am not that arrogant. Okay. I know God understands me when I speak English, but God understands the woman next door when she speaks Mandarin. I, I don't even presume what the heavenly language is. I don't pretend. Tongues is unique. I, guys, God is infinite. Why are we trying to limit God? I don't understand this. Anyway, sorry for the late reply, the number four. I got home last night from work and was very tired and when I went to bed, the number two. Sorry, I don't understand. I read Acts 2. Acts 2, 4, 11 tells us these all come from different parts of the world speaking in different languages. So I wrote... Acts 2 was the first spoken, the first time tongues was spoken. God wanted, see, here's where I correct my whole thing up there. God wanted to use this as a powerful showing of his approval of the disciples. On that day, he allowed for tongues to actually be national dialects. This is still possible today, though it is not as common as the other tongues. Tongues are also heavenly languages, which means no one understands except God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. This means even Satan cannot understand what your soul is crying out when you speak tongues. 
When it comes to interpretation of tongues, that is when tongues are spoken in a loud way that is heard by all in the assembly, at that time, there must be a prayerful waiting for the interpretation to begin. It is vital that the words spoken as interpretation align with the word of God. Here is an article. So this is the third article I'm sharing with this dude. Do your research. If I'm doing mine, do yours. If you'd like to learn a bit more. I didn't write that. I just put here is an article to read if you'd like to learn a bit more. Okay. Not that little rat in the middle. I will say that you need to do research in many different arenas. Bible verses, Bible studies, commentaries, and legitimate organization websites to fully receive an understanding of tongues. Prayer during this is also vital. And then I share a crosswalk.com article. And then he goes, if it's not in the Bible, it's not God's word. I never said it was God's word. I said to do a study using the Bible. Wasn't the first thing I listed Bible verses? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. How do pastors do it? How do pastors do it? I don't understand. I would be literally looking at people across from my, my desk like, are you literally asking me that question right now? Hi. Anyway. And he goes, so what you are saying, oh, so what you are saying is if you don't speak tongues, you don't go to heaven. Where in the world did I say that you don't go to heaven if you speak, don't speak tongues? Somebody please show me where anything I said was that. Oh my gosh. This is what I'm talking about. Circle arguments. We're right back at the initial lie. Take down your filters, dude. And then he put, or not have Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, and not saved. Once again. Oh my gosh. Listen to me. Okay. I said, I have told you over and over that I have never said that speaking in tongues is proof of salvation. Speaking in tongues does not prove salvation. I have made that very clear. And yet you keep Returning to that, I have never said it was proof of salvation, ever. And no, if you do not have Holy Spirit, you're not saved because the way you get Holy Spirit is by being saved. However, while tongues does prove you have Holy Spirit, not speaking in tongues does not mean you don't have Holy Spirit. Once again, I said that in the original comment at the top of this discussion. You really need to read the article links I provide because they include scriptural references and they give a very detailed explanation of all the things you're asking. Circle arguments. Tick me off. They tick me off. I am so weary of it and that's one of my things people i'm just going to tell you right now this went 20 minutes that's because i went off and i'm going to wrap it <clears throat> one of my pet peeves is when i say something and i have to repeat myself now there's an exception when it comes to like little kids i get it when i'm teaching english i get it but when i legit say blah 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 and someone's like what and i'm like dude i get it i talk a lot i get it but that is my life. What you just witnessed me reading through is my literal life. I can write, the sky is blue. And someone will tell me, 
Why do you say the sky's red? The sky is not red. I did not say the sky is red. I pointedly said the sky is blue. Now, granted, I may have said the sky is a beautiful azure color with with tinges of baby blue and teal. And that made you think I said red, but I said the sky is blue. I'm just... I think... First of all, circle arguments suck the living life out of my soul, which is why I try not to get involved in them. And right now I'm in one and I'm just going to have to stop. I'm going to have to like, with his next comment, just be like, dude, I'm done talking to you. Do your research. I have made it very clear that I didn't say anything that you're telling me. So you're saying, do your research. I'm not commenting on here anymore. I can't circle argue with you anymore. You're not listening. You're not reading what I'm, I'm writing. You're just assuming through your filter and I can't deal with that. But I got to tell you all something like. I am a writer and no one cares. Okay. I shouldn't say no one cares. That was, that was just, that was a pity line. I'm a writer and very few people care. Being a writer that is not read, that is not listened to that is misquoted and misunderstood and accused of saying things they never said and accused of writing things they never wrote is frustrating. It is extremely irritating. And I'm going to point out something here that it's like, it's eating me alive because I had a situation that happened and I was accused of not thanking a person. And I went back through our, our conversation and I had thanked that person very earnestly in a voice message. I had said, thank you so much for helping me today. I have been so stressed out, blah, 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 blah. But because this person deleted me as a friend, they can't go back and see that. And I can't tell them about it because I have to just suck it up and deal with the fact that they think I never thanked them when I did. And I I said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought I had thanked you. And then I went back and listened and I had thanked them. And now I'm like, what the? Because no one listens to me. No one listens to me. I can't. Oh. Once again, you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> but are you really listening to me? What did I say? What did I say in any of the stuff before this? I got to tell you guys, I know I ramble. I know I'm a talker. I know I talk very quickly. And there are times when I'm able to slow down and enunciate like I did on the advertisements that <laughs> go on the front and the tail end of these podcasts. But when I get passionate about something, it's really hard to slow my speech down. It just is. But you read at your own speed. You know what I'm saying? Like you could read what I write and not misconstrue what I write. I mean that as a writer, I should be understood. You see what I'm saying? And I think part of it too is one of my gifts is making things understandable for for people. Like taking scripture and actually making it relatable and understandable. That is a gift I have. I like to put it that way because I'm a writer and what it actually is, is a gift of teaching. (laughs) Let's be simple. Um, So for people to misconstrue my words or not to darn well listen to me or to accuse me of either saying something or not saying something that I either never said or did say drives me crazy. Crazy. There is a song you should listen to that is called This is the Stuff That Drives Me Crazy. If I was writing that song, what I just said would be in the lyrics. Circle arguments suck. And I find myself in them so much. It drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. I'm about to enter one with baptism. 
and I'm just going to have to bow out of that one before it turns into the one this tongues one turned into. Why am I even commenting on these? I don't know. I fall into that, that trap every once in a while. I'm going to have to <laughs> pull myself out of it. But thank you for listening to segment two of this random podcast. Hello, everybody. It's Julie with Hefsaba Talks A Lot. I'm just going to take one second, okay, maybe a little longer, to talk to you about writing.com. Now, I'm not doing this for any money or anything. I'm just letting you know about a great supportive community that I think it would be great for you to join. Writing.com has been around for a long time. They actually started out as stories.com, and I stumbled on them when I was a lot younger and joined, and eventually they got too big for that domain and became writing.com in order to encompass more than just storytelling. This website is amazing. It is a community of writers and readers. So if you're not a writer, but you love to read, join writing.com. If you don't really read a lot because you're so busy, but you love to write, join writing.com. If you're a little bit of both, join writing.com. It's an amazing community. Now you can get a free account and then they have paid memberships. I currently just do the second tier, the upgraded membership, and it allows me to have more items in my portfolio. I love to pay to have a membership because I love to support writing.com. That's the main reason that I pay to keep my membership updated and current. But I just wanted to have an advertisement about writing.com. Once again, not for any monetary gain. It's not even an official one. Uh, They won't even know I'm doing it. But I just want to encourage people to go and join writing.com. It is truly a place that has helped me develop as a writer. It has helped me be encouraged. And I have met people there that have been my friends through the distance online and have supported me and offered me advice with my writing and has been, have been there with me or for me as I've made these transitions to China and other locations. So once again, writing.com, W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com. Join today.